Welcome to Fired Up right here at WJMSRadio.com. This is Steve. Each week I give you the insight on how our political system is impacting our lives each day here in the United States. And it's been another crazy, crazy week. You know, it, it's funny to think about it. A few months ago, we were all wrapped up in the impeachment drama. Uh, we were all going around as to what that was about. We got past that and then we moved into the Democratic and political primary season and we were all about who was in the race, who was out of the race, what was happening, what were the issues at hand, what was being done, who was doing what to try and get elected. And now here we are and we are all inundated with all things COVID-19 aka coronavirus and that has taken over just about every aspect of the news cycle from all the major and minor sources of media out there. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, COVID-19. Uh, I'm not going to get into all the horror details, all of the, the statistics and, and all of that and the back and forth about who said what, who was correct and who was not correct. There are more than enough news sources out there. I do want to get into you know, what this uh, pandemic that is now uh, raging across the shores here in the United States, what it's meaning in terms of how our political system is being impacted. So first of all, let's, let's get uh, statistics out of the way. As of uh, March 22nd, when the show is being recorded uh, worldwide, there have been 335,403 cases of uh, COVID-19 uh, identified around the globe. In the U.S., that number is 33,767. Uh, there have been uh, 14,611 deaths worldwide uh, due to you know, COVID-19 coronavirus, and here in the U.S., that number is 423. And then there's something we don't hear often, uh, but I think it bears mentioning. Worldwide, there have been 97,636 people who have recovered from the, the COVID-19 coronavirus. And here in the United States, that number is at 178. Now, keep in mind, you know, the United States, we started our, our full-on response to it a few weeks behind other countries, i.e. Italy, uh, Spain, you know, and, and of course, China and South Korea. Uh, so not only is our case numbers growing rapidly, uh, our people who have uh, succumbed to the disease and passed away, that number is growing, but also the number of people that are recovering. And I'd like to, us to keep that in mind that, you know, not everyone that gets this disease by a far stretch is going to die from it. Uh, the, there are huge numbers of people, as I said, nearly 100,000 people in the world who contracted the disease have actually survived it and recovered from it. So, you know, it, yes, it is devastating. Yes, it is, is creating all kinds of uh, drama and crisis and controversy around the world, but it is not, you know, a, a end of life uh, as we know it kind of thing. Uh, you know, with treatment and so forth, the rates of survival of this disease are growing and will continue to grow. So let, let's, you know, maintain optimism here. Let's, you know, be practical. Uh, don't panic. We will get through this. But, you know, it, it is, as I said, it is having a devastating effect uh, on many aspects of American life. As we've seen over the past few weeks, uh, sporting seasons have been postponed or canceled. Um, you know, there have been any number of uh, events around the country that have been canceled. Uh, political campaigns have had to go from being, you know, an in-person, you know, meet the people, shaking hands, kissing babies, to virtual campaigns. That is, maintaining that social distance that we're all being asked to do and you know not having large gatherings initially they were saying you know gatherings of 500 people and then that number got trimmed down to 50 
and then now you know it's trimmed down in many cases to 10 or less and what we're actually seeing now is a lot of closures of public gathering places restaurants bars uh, movie theaters malls all of these places where you know we tend to gather in significant numbers have actually either voluntarily or been ordered to shut their doors and this is you know a, a, an inconvenience of the highest magnitude I get it but realizing that one of the ways that we stop the progression of this virus is by cutting off that interpersonal contact from one person to another uh, you can see that you know these types of things while painful are necessary for us to try and, and break that chain of transmission uh, of the disease. So, you know, public gatherings have pretty much all but been banned uh, in the country, uh, particularly in, in several of the hardest hit states, and we'll talk a little bit about those in a minute. Um, and we're also being told to practice what is called social distancing. That is, we need to make sure that if we are in a space with other people, that we are trying to keep at least a six-foot distance between you know, us and the next person you know, in the group with us or in line with us. And the reason for this is because this is an airborne spread disease, uh, that distance helps ensure that those droplets from coughs and sneezes and just normal exhale for those that are infected don't travel that distance as easily and are less likely to infect someone else uh, in, in an area with you. Now, you know, we, we need to take all this advice to heed. Uh, we'll talk in our call to action segment, you know, again, about the, the steps you need to take from a health standpoint uh, to protect yourself and protect others uh, from COVID-19 or, or coronavirus. Um, you know, but we'll continue to look at, you know, how these uh, requirements, how these orders that we're seeing, you know, issued in several states and so forth are impacting, you know, our local and national political uh, events, rallies, campaigns, etc. And, you know, it, it's COVID is having impacts you know, across all spectrums of you know, America and the, the political aspects of our country are not, you know, and you'll pardon the pun, immune to the effects of COVID-19. We've seen in the last couple of weeks where at least two or three Congress people in Washington and now uh, at least one senator, I know there was a news article out about Senator Rand Paul has tested positive. Uh, there are probably additional uh, people in our government who are you know, infected and may not yet have manifested the symptoms and testing will, will identify them. Uh, even people on the president and vice president's staff uh, have been infected with the COVID-19 virus. Uh, so it is not skipping you know, anyone in, in any station of life. Um, and it, it is gonna continue to have an impact on how our political system uh, will function, let alone how our government system will function as we go forward through the coming weeks and months of this, this uh, epidemic in, in our country. Um, as I said, it's impacted local outreach and political campaigns where you know, people would go door to door uh, soliciting participation, voter registration, uh, you know, speaking about candidates. That has all but stopped uh, where you know people don't want that that personal contact, and, you know, social distancing and maintaining six feet, uh, and many things now have gone, as I said, to virtual communication. Uh, what you're seeing now is the you know presidential candidates aren't holding rallies; they're holding you know Zoom calls or Skype calls. Uh, they're holding video events and you know reaching out and getting their message out in that way and you know we'll we'll see as we go through the elections and the primaries remaining you know how effective and what impact if any that's going to have on voter turnout now you know let me say this it still should not keep us from voting we're going to talk some specifics about how 
we get out and get the vote out you know in this age of COVID-19 when we do our call to action segment at the end of the show but you know needless to say this like anything else should not stop us from getting out and voting one of the things to take a look at is as I've said how it has impacted the operation of government uh, in our country uh, what we have seen is you know the level of information coming out from the government particularly at the federal level uh, has been you know in, in some regards shaky at best uh, but overall you know where the experts have been addressing us you know in the daily briefings that are coming from the White House you know we're getting doctors nationally known uh, medical leaders we're getting you know, government officials talking to us about the responses that government has undertaken, you know, and we're getting political commentary from you know, other individuals you know, on a daily basis. All of these, as I've said before, we need to make sure that we are taking these with the, with the due grain of salt they deserve, that we are verifying these facts against known and reputable sources, uh, I will give you the list of those again in our call to action segment, but they include, you know, here in the United States, the Centers for Disease Control and the National Institutes of Health, which are the two leading agencies in our country on the fight against this and any other epidemic or pandemic disease. And on a global level, the World Health Organization, which works hand in hand with both the CDC and NIH in presenting the real medical and scientific facts of what this disease is, how it's transmitted, how you can be protected from it, what you need to do to treat for it, what treatments there are out there for it, you know, and all things uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. You know, what we're seeing in, in real time here in our country is that where, you know, the federal government has stumbled in some cases you know we had a really early on kind of dismissive approach that you know it it wasn't all that serious and you know the president said that it was a hoax that it would go away in the spring etc we've now buckled down into more fact-based scientific-based and medically verified facts getting out there and what we've also found is that where the federal government has been slow to respond or has had issues, the state and local governments by and large have been doing yeoman work in stepping up to the plate, finding out what needs to be done and getting that done. Uh, to date, as of the recording of this show, we have uh, seven states that have initiated a stay at home order for residents. That is, you are, you know, uh, required to remain in your homes unless you need to go out to get you know necessary food medical uh, care prescriptions you know or you know something else on the list so check with your state to see where they are on you know stay-at-home orders we've also had some localities uh, the the city of Philadelphia has instituted a stay-at-home order for its residents and is only allowing you to go out again for food, you know, necessary uh, medicines, uh, you know, whatever necessary and required things need to happen. But normal social gatherings and, you know, going out, uh, that has been curtailed. Now, in, in all of these cases, whether it's a statewide uh, stay at home or a local stay at home, you know, if you are going out by yourself just to take a walk or to walk your dog uh, or to go to a park where, you know, the number of people are limited and you can maintain distance, that is allowed. Uh, and you should check with your local, uh, your state uh, uh, regulations to see what exactly activities are allowed under the stay-at-home order and what are not. Um, in addition to the city of Philadelphia, the, the island of Nantucket off the coast of Massachusetts has instituted a, you know, a quarantine and lockdown on its island. So same things apply for the residents of Nantucket. 
you know, unless it is, you know, a necessary uh, thing that you have to go out for, you're being urged to stay at home. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's having impacts. There are loads of workers who uh, have been furloughed from work. Uh, there have been a lot of people who have been laid off from work. Um, unemployment numbers are are rising. The people that number of people that are filing for unemployment because they have been, you know, removed from their job. Hopefully, you know, as we get through this, you know, that those jobs will be able to return. And I know there are legislatures out there talking about instituting uh, legal requirements for, you know, COVID or or similar type related furloughs where those companies will receive some type of federal assistance in the form of, of grants or loans so that they can keep those people on the payroll and not have to you know terminate them so then at the end of this when we do get through all this then they've got to go through the process of rehiring all these people and all the expense that's going to cause that's just going to going to increase the weight that our economic system is going to feel and speaking of which, you know, the, the stock market, which had been, you know, roaring along in its, its bull market uh, phase, has fallen into a bear market. And now there are even more talks about the U.S. going, you know, into a recession because of the impact felt from, you know, the, the loss of business and just companies having to shut down. You know, look around your neighborhoods. You know, bars are closed, restaurants are closed, they're only doing takeout or home delivery, movie theaters, malls are closed, uh, schools across the, the country, pretty much every state in the union uh, has uh, temporarily or for the remainder of the school year closed their schools. So, you know, all of this is having a tremendous impact on our economy and it's something that we're going to feel for quite a while. So, you know, how do we as, you know, citizens, how do we cope with this? Well, you know, one of the things, you know, and, and we, we talked about this briefly last week, but I'll come back to it. Uh, first and foremost, don't panic. You know, we saw initially as the numbers of cases here in the U.S. started to rise dramatically, we saw people running out and, you know, buying everything that wasn't nailed down in the grocery stores and all of that. Um, for the most part, you know, that has tended to taper down a little bit, but there are still, you know, runs on things like water, you know, hand sanitizer and cleaning products and, and you know, disinfectant wipes uh, are just not able to be found anywhere. I know I spent a uh, better part of a half day going around to stores just looking for disinfecting wipes, and you can't find them. Uh, same thing with face masks and gloves. You can't find those. They are out of supply everywhere. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we, we, we run around like, you know, uh, chicken little screaming the sky is falling. You know, it's just something we have to work through. You know, from an information standpoint, more and more the information we are receiving as I've, you know, looked across the various media platforms that I track, uh, I'm seeing more and more fact-based information coming out and less, you know, wild speculation. So, you know, to the extent that the, the media, whether it's print media, broadcast media, online media, to the extent that they are paying more attention to what it is that they are putting out there and not just giving voice to every rumor that comes down the pike, uh, we say kudos to that. Let's keep that up. We want to be providing factual information to our listeners. We want to make sure that we're not just, you know, hyping whatever, you know, internet fantasy is the latest COVID thing coming down the pipeline. You know, um, but I do say you do want to exercise some control over your media intake on, you know, the, the coronavirus COVID-19. I mean, it is on every channel. You can't escape it. The only way to escape it is to turn it off. So, you know, my suggestion, and again, 
I have to study the news. I do my research through, you know, the media. But at some point in the day, I say, you know, okay, that's enough. And you got to say that. You got to turn it off, put on some music, you know, put on a movie, find something else, go for a walk, you know, go play with your kids, but break that communication faucet that just keeps pouring out information on the coronavirus. You know, get your facts, get the high, you know, the, the, the headlines, get, you know, whatever information you need to make, you know, your, your intelligent decisions, and then move along, find something else, you know. And as I said at, at, at earlier, um, let's make sure that we're staying in touch with the official sources, you know, CDC, National Institutes of Health, NIH, both of these are cdc.gov and nih.gov, and your state and local uh, websites. You know, your state sites are going to have information specific to your state, and your local uh, web pages are going to give you any important local information you need to be aware of in relation to COVID-19. Um, you know, the, the other point, and again, this, this is a, a don't panic thing, uh, if you think you are infected, call your doctor or your medical provider first. Don't just run to the emergency room. Uh, hospital and, and care resources are scarce. They are being, you know, uh, managed very tightly. And you don't want to take up, you know, a bed or resources that may be needed for someone who is, you know, more critically injured, not just with coronavirus, but with other things. You know, there are still heart attacks happening out there. There are still strokes. There are still other respiratory problems. There are still motor vehicle accidents and injuries. All of these things require medical resources where if the hospitals or emergency rooms are overrun with people, you know, looking to get tested or whatever, they're not going to be as capable of providing needed services along all of the other things that they do in addition to COVID. So, you know, the, the bottom line and what we've got to do is we've got to be responsible. We've got to be patient. Um, you know, we have to make sure that we are being thoughtful of others. Uh, you know, there are a, a lot of stories out there, you know, fights over toilet paper. Um, you know, we, we've got to be adult about this. You know, yes, this is a bad situation. There's no minimizing that. However, we need to respond to this in an adult, studied, patient, careful way to make sure that, you know, we are getting our care taken care of the best we can. And we are also showing care and concern for our fellow man, for our neighbors, you know, for our friends uh, as they go through it as well. You know, as I see on the commercials, you know, on TV, you know, we're all in this together. And that is actually really the words we need to live by. Yes, we are all in this together. We will get through it together. We will be better for it on the other end together. So we'll, you know, we'll leave it on that uplifted note. We're going to take our first break here. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the impacts uh, on elections and also uh, where the elections are. You know, there are still primaries going on. There are still uh, delegates to be gained and, you know, where are the race is right now and, you know, what's going on. So we'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Fired Up. My name is Steve. This is WJMSRadio.com. Thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Yeah, I had a lot of dreams growing up. Wow. Magnitude intimidating because the road is tough. Wow. I was aching because I kind of never understood. Never. People doubt you if you're doing things they never would. Push, get a hand out. Yeah, I wish a dreamer would. Uh-huh. Hands down, till a man's down, gotta do it. Oh. Oh. Working class and electrified gas. I'ma smash till I pass all the privilege guys. Negative energy, give me amplified. I've been touring France without dope to keep me high. Yeah, hey, on God I'm strong. Walks on the rings of the teams on my stones. Watch me. Hey, yeah, hey. Gonna get a whole lot of gold on the neck. Just watch me. Hey, hey. Doing things that you're saying that I can't. Just watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. 
dream to achieve, just watch me. And y'all brother, just watch me. Watch me. And y'all sister, just watch me. Hey, I never did it for the mass appeal. Committed 10,000 hours trying to master skill. Hey, and now my spirit can be tamed. Body is in shape. Prepare the better way to the world on the shoulder. Better ready. Yeah. And every obstacle I face with composure. Yeah. That is what my dreams are made of. And every night I didn't sleep is gonna pay off. To everyone that ever doubted me, they way off. Say, ready, go for the takeoff. Just watch me. Yeah. Hey. Say, say, ready, go for the takeoff. Just watch me. Gonna get a whole lot of gold on the neck. Just watch me. Doing things that you're saying that I can't just watch me. Watch me. Came here with a dream to achieve, just watch me. Hey, hey, y'all brother, just watch me. Hey, hey, y'all sister, just watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Get it, get it, just watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Just watch me. And we're back. Welcome back to Fired Up. This is Steve, your host, and we're right here on WJMS Radio. And uh, we're picking up discussing the political system and how it's being impacted by the COVID coronavirus. Uh, We uh, talked in the first segment about some of the impacts that are being felt. I want to branch off here and talk about the local aspects of, you know, what this uh, epidemic is doing uh, and and showing in our local and and state political systems. And uh, really, you know, you have to be encouraged when you're seeing the way that, you know, the governors of several states, uh, notably California, Washington State, and New York, which have been hit the hardest with the virus, uh, how the governors and how the states are stepping up to the plate in order to get done what needs to get done every day, uh, working both with and in, in fact, instead of in some cases, the federal government. You have to give high marks to New York State Governor Mario Cuomo, who has really taken the bull by the horns and you know instituted a statewide statewide shelter at home, and really demonstrated the kind of executive leadership we need to see across all levels of government in our country. Uh, he has you know one uh, marshaled his resources. He has reached out within his state to uh, generate public-private partnerships in order to work on getting necessary medical equipment in place, such as face masks, gowns, uh, ventilators. Uh, He has marshaled uh, resources to get additional hospital beds, uh, and he's really, really shown just some tremendous leadership uh, in the fight against this virus. And the same thing could be said about the California governor, who early on instituted a stay-at-home order for one of the largest uh, three counties in the state of California and has since expanded that to include the entire state. Uh, And and again, these governors are recognizing that there are things that need to be done that they are particularly uh, well-positioned to do. Uh, Mario Cuomo gave a press conference uh, just today where he spoke to that that specifically. And he said, you know, among other things, that there are things that the federal government needs to do, can do, and must do in combating this, uh, this epidemic, uh, notably, you know, issuing uh, orders to private manufacturers to, you know, retool their plants and assist by, by building ventilators and other needed medical equipment. Uh, but there are things that the state government can do in terms of marshalling local resources and working with their mayors and city and town councils to implement the first line of response that you know we, the, the everyday citizens, see. So you know, kudos to the, the state and local leaders for their efforts in combating this disease. Uh, we need to make sure that you know, we, we show 
our appreciation to them and you know communicate to them that they are doing the right thing and that they are doing a good job at it. While I'm giving out kudos, we absolutely must extend huge, huge uh, gratitude to the medical and first responders in our communities that are standing at the front lines risking their own health in order to care for us, the citizens. Uh, you know, these guys are doing just tremendous work with limited resources. They are showing what is great about America, uh, and that includes, you know, the doctors, the nurses, hospital administrators, you know, our state and local governments. Uh, and in addition, you know, would be totally remiss if I didn't extend out a, a hearty thanks and, and well done for the work that's being done by our school systems, by our teachers, by our school administrators. You know, schools have been shut down pretty much across the country, yet teachers are stepping up. They are working on lesson plans. They are working online to continue to make sure that our children, you know, receive education as best as possible under the circumstances we have. So we really need to extend a huge, huge round of applause to them for the work that they are doing. You know, this this virus has, you know, created some devastating effects in our communities. However, more importantly, and I think this needs to be recognized uh, at every opportunity, it has also given the opportunity for the best of what makes us Americans, the best of what it is that, that makes us, you know, the, the, the greatest country on the face of the earth, uh, in that, you know, we are hit with this adversity and our leaders, our service providers, our you know mail carriers, our trash men, uh, the people who you know still are working in the grocery stores and other businesses that are are mandated to be open during these times, you know they are standing in the face of this virus and doing their job, and we really need to make sure that we are thanking them and giving them props for what they do. Uh, they don't have to necessarily do this. You know, they, they could, you know, take the I'm going to protect me and mine, but they are coming out, they are volunteering, they are putting themselves out there in order to take care of us. So if you get a chance, you know, to interact with one of these individuals that are providing these necessary services to us in these trying times, uh, take a moment, you know, understand the pressure that they're working under, you know, give them a little patience, give them a little space, but definitely, you know, let them know that you appreciate what they're doing. You know, it's, it's hard when you have a family that you have to leave at home in order to go do, you know, this necessary work. So let's make sure that, you know, we show our appreciation for that. Uh, that, that goes a long, long way in, in helping to encourage this work to continue. All right, let's... Um, Let's turn away from COVID for a, for a while and get back on, on to uh, elections and the primaries and, and what's going on with the race toward the national election in November. Um, as of last week, uh, Tulsi Gabbard uh, withdrew as a candidate for president, uh, making it officially that it is Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders who are the last two Democratic candidates standing. And, you know, we've had several elections in the past week, uh, most of which uh, former Vice President Biden has won, uh, including Florida, where he won really handily, and uh, several others, and has what is considered a commanding lead in the delegate count for the nomination uh, to be the Democratic candidate for president in the convention that is still scheduled to be held in July. We will see how that shapes up uh, underneath the, the COVID-19 uh, types of restrictions that may or may not apply. But nonetheless, uh, it looks like Joe Biden is going to be the presumptive nominee. And the conversation turns to whether or not, you know, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders should uh, fold his campaign and endorse you know, Vice President Biden, thereby unifying the Democratic Party. Uh, this is creating some discussion among the supporters of these two candidates, particularly, you know, those that support Bernie Sanders, 
and you know may or may not be you know huge fans of former Vice President Biden. And one thing to keep in mind out there to all all my Bernie supporters out there, you know the the objective of the primary is to get your candidate elected. That goes without saying. However, when you know the the reality and the facts on the ground are that you know that's not going to happen, we then have to fall back to our secondary priority, which is to move you know. Uh, the Democrats into control of the House and the Senate and, you know, make that happen. You know, there are not just in terms of the, you know, the presidential ticket uh, is a big issue, but also there are several Senate races that really uh, are important for us to focus to, uh, especially in light of some of the changes and restrictions that the Republicans have put in place over the last three years uh, with regard to voter registration and voting, with regard to education and, you know, family benefits uh, being cut back and attacks on Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security and all of these things that really work against the poor and, and middle class uh, citizens of America. Uh, and. You know, these need to be identified and these need to be changed. And in order to make that happen, you know, there needs to be changes that happen at the congressional and Senate level uh, for uh, the, the leadership in Washington, but also at the state and local level. Now, granted, you know, state and local leaders have come together across party and have unified in, you know, in their fight for the most part against the coronavirus. Um, however, there are still distinct and disturbing differences between Democratic and Republican leadership at the state level in, in light of what is going on. And it makes it all the more important that no matter what happens with the current uh, virus going across our country, that when it comes time to vote, either in your primaries, which there are still several coming up, and any additional elections that happen up to the national election in November, that we stay focused on those targets as well, that we stay focused on making sure that our politicians are accountable to us, they understand that we vote to send them to office and that they work for us, not the other way around, and that we make sure that our agenda is the agenda that's getting the attention. So, you know, don't stop doing your diligence. You know, make sure you're checking out what the candidates stand for, what they are proposing, you know, in their campaigns. And if that doesn't match up with what you're thinking, then you need to act on that and vote accordingly. So, you know, that being said, you know, we've got, you know, several races, as I said, in that are, are contentious, um, you know, particularly in Kentucky and in Virginia and in Texas and several other states where uh, candidates who are up for election or up for re-election really deserve our scrutiny to see if they have been living up to our expectations while they have been in office. Uh, at the end of the day, that is the ultimate benchmark, that is the ultimate test. Are these candidates, whether they're Republican or Democrat, whether you're a Republican or you're a Democrat, has your candidate or has your elected official lived up to your expectations? And you have to look hard and objectively at that. And if the answer you come back with is no, then you need to vote a change. You need to elect a different candidate, whether it's a change of party or whether it is just a new candidate or a new elected official to replace that one to get what you want done uh, to occur in Washington as well as in your local state capitals. So, you know, it, it is critically important that, again, as I've said many times on this show, let nothing stop you from getting out to vote. That includes, you know, any voter suppression activities, that includes any restrictions, that includes whatever, you know, obstacles or hurdles they want you to jump through or over, and it includes, you know, COVID-19, the coronavirus as well. Uh, many states uh, have uh, mail-in ballots that you can obtain, and then 
uh, mail in so you don't have to go to a polling place stand in line with other people and risk exposure but you can in fact mail in your ballot so let, let's talk a little bit about that as I said many states uh, if not all states have the option of voting by mail or absentee ballot uh, when you cannot get to the polls and the general regulation and you're going to need to verify this with your your state election commission is that you know if you are sick or if you are not going to be in state or for for whatever other reason you are not going to be able to get to the polls to vote on election day you can in fact request an absentee ballot uh, vote that uh, mark up that to register your vote and then send it in by the, by a deadline to your uh, election board so that your vote will be counted and you know while rules and regulations about mail-in or absentee ballots vary by state you can find out the information at several different uh, online locations or by going to your local election office or your city hall and find out what the requirements are to vote by absentee ballot. One good source to find this information for all 50 states and all voting jurisdictions is to go to www.vote.org and enter the information to number one you can check your registration status there. There's a button you click on and it will gather your name, uh, information, date of birth, and your location and tell you if you are in fact currently registered. And if you're not, you can also register to vote right there. So it is a one-stop shop, not only to check your registration status, but also to register yourself if you're not registered. Uh, I urge you to do that sooner rather than later because several states have deadlines that are approaching uh, quickly for upcoming primaries and you need to make sure you have it done and that or that you have enough time to get any corrections made that you might need to make uh, if there is an issue with your registration status uh, both for the primaries and for the general election in November so go to you know www.vote.org and you know get engaged with that so that that's number one number two as I said, you can go to your city hall, uh, you can go to your county offices uh, and find out you know, where the uh, registration for voting occurs and you can go and do that in person. In most cases, all you need to bring is a current driver's license. You may need some additional proof of residency such as utility bills or a phone bill or whatever but you can do that get yourself registered and get that credential established well ahead of time so that you're ready to vote um, and you know as I said let nothing stand in your way we've got to make sure that we get out and do the vote and that we are prepared and we are knowledgeable research what's on the ballot don't forget those all-important ballot initiatives that may be out there uh, some of them you know are are critically important in terms of our schools in terms of our roads and highways you know in terms of services funding for critical infrastructure our first responders etc all of these things are decided by ballot process by and large and it is our power to decide where we want you know money to be spent or where we want resources to be expended in those regards and in addition, as I said, to registering to vote and voting by mail, uh, vote.org uh, vote or your state or local uh, election board resources can tell you if primary vo votes are being postponed or rescheduled for another date. Uh, and you know also if there are changes that are being made to the registration or voting process because of the viral epidemic going around the country as as we speak so you know make sure that you get out there and get that done you know it's as we always said it's part of that education and you know process of getting what you need in order to make the best possible decisions for your particular situation so it's you know critical that we get out and do that uh, it is important and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we come into our call to action segment so we'll take our second break here and when we come back we'll jump right into our call to action and uh, you know 
wrap up what we've covered in today's show and what we need to do moving forward to make sure that we stay empowered and stay in charge of our electoral process and our political representatives and candidates. You're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMSRadio.com. This is Steve. Stay tuned. We'll take our break, and I'll see you right back after there, and we'll go to our call to action. Steve, you're right here on WJMSRadio.com, and we're here for our call to action segment. Um, we're going to kick it off with call to action items uh, related to the COVID virus. Uh, so 
you know, as as we've heard, you know, this virus is is devastating to the communities that it's impacting. Uh, it's having widespread effects, and as our testing has increased nationwide, the number of cases we are seeing in the United States is going to rise, uh, as well as, unfortunately, the number of people who uh, for whom this disease will be fatal. Uh, but we can do many things to mitigate and reduce our exposure. And, you know, we've talked about these, the uh, sheltering in place as required, the social distancing, keeping six feet of distance between us and other people, avoiding gatherings of all sizes and avoiding spaces where large numbers of people will congregate, and uh, just being generally wise about, you know, the risks that are out there. Um, you know, so as we find out more, and, and you know, as I said at the top of the show, uh, pretty much all the media is talking about these days is the COVID-19 coronavirus. The one thing that we have to do in order, as we say, to be informed and to be educated is to find the facts. Find the facts. You know, double check what you hear from your regular media sources. Uh, and, you know, go to reputable sources such as the Center for Disease Control, the National Institutes of Health, and the World Health Organization, and research what they're saying about the disease, about the treatment, you know, and about what can be done. There are a lot of rumors out there circulating. Uh, some are being spread, you know, by very high-placed sources in the government. Uh, the president has made several uh, erroneous or, or, you know, erroneous statements about, you know, treatments for the coronavirus, including that there is an imminent vaccine available. And this has been widely rebuked by the medical community, who reminds us that treatment for a virus is generally something that will take a minimum on the fastest of tracks. It will take a year or 18 months before we will have a vaccine ready for widespread distribution to the American public. So, you know, talk about there being a treatment or there being a cure uh, imminent is uh, irresponsible in my opinion and, you know, factually incorrect. Um, you know, there are references that were made to several drugs that are used to treat other diseases which have not been tested in humans, have not been tested on the COVID virus to any large extent other than some very basic preliminary trials and have not been proved to have any uh, impact or effect or efficacy in treating the virus. So as I've always said, you know, dig deeper, dig wider, go find the facts, find out from reputable sources uh, what is true and what is not. Fact check everything. Right, the uh, next one, and this is important for each of us individually, make sure you know the symptoms of the COVID-19 coronavirus. And they include, and this source is from the Center for Disease Control, this is directly from their website, uh, you could uh, experience a dry cough, a fever, fatigue or tiredness, uh, and in uh, you know, very severe cases, shortness of breath. Now, those are the general symptoms, and there are more. Again, go to the CDC website, do your own diligence. Uh, there are some symptoms that indicate that the virus has reached an emergency level, and these include, in addition to the above, persistent chest pain, uh, uh, new confusion or unable to, to arouse, you know, extreme drowsiness, uh, and uh, bluish lips or face. If you or someone that you love and care for are exhibiting these symptoms, you need to make the moves to get them into emergency care as quickly as possible as those are you know, very, very severe symptoms of this disease. Uh, if you think you have you know, the COVID-19 coronavirus, first step is call your doctor, call your medical professional, uh, call your hospital. Um, they have people standing by to assess and answer questions and give you information on what you need to do uh, for your next steps in treating the disease. So, you know, pay attention to what your body is telling you. Uh, be aware that other illnesses 
may play a role in making the effects and impacts of coronavirus, COVID-19, much more severe. Uh, and if you have those conditions, make sure that you are having co communications with your medical professionals and seeking their advice as early as possible. All right. Our second call to action item, based on what we've talked about today, revolves around voting and the primaries coming up and you know the impacts that the viral outbreak is having on that. And again, just as with the COVID-19 uh, call to action, first thing you wanna do is to get the facts. So go to your state website, go to your city or town website, go to www.vote.org, find out you know, what the requirements are for registration. You can get registered on vote.org right there. It takes about 30 seconds. Uh, and you can also find out about the requirements for uh, getting an absentee or mail-in ballot. Uh, you can also find out if they have a link to apply for one, uh, whether you need to do it in person or whether they allow it to be done online. All that information is at one of those locations that I've just mentioned. Uh, make sure that you have gotten and you have verified your current registration status uh, so that you know that you are all set to complete a mail-in ballot or to go to the polling place and cast your ballot uh, either in the primaries for you, those states that still have them coming up or in the national election in November. By the way, I will post a list on my Facebook page of the primaries uh, that remain and uh, that will allow you to see what your state uh, still has out there. Uh, keep in mind that because of the virus, many states are adjusting their, their voting schedules, so you probably should check back often to see if there have been any changes or pay attention to your local news to find out if these things have changed for you. So those are our, our call to actions for this week. Um, you know, there a lot on the plate, a lot of things we need to be concerned about. Uh, as I said, there's a lot of information out there. Let's just make sure we're getting it from the right sources, that sources that we trust, that you know are reputable, and that um, you know don't have any kind of political axe to grind in in the mix. So if you want uh, to communicate with the show, as always, our email address is firedupradio at yahoo.com. Send me an email with your questions or comments about the show. Uh, I will be tweeting out more information from the show's Twitter account, which is at R-U-Fired-Up. That's A-R-E-U-F-I-R-E-D-U-P. And that's coming out of, out of Twitter. And of course, there'll be information, as I mentioned, posted on my Facebook page for the show at facebook.com forward slash firedupradio. So that's our call to action for this week. Uh, I hope and pray that, that each and every one of you uh, are safe and stay safe and that you know the virus won't impact you uh, or if you do get impacted by it, that all of the good positive outcomes occur. Uh, please take precautions. Make sure you're washing your hands for at least 20 seconds with soap and water. Make sure that you have hand sanitizer or some other way of disinfecting your hands. Uh, one of the things that I do is I carry around several paper towels, and when I come to a door handle at a public building or you know here in my apartment building, I grab it with that paper towel in order to open it and then dispose of that towel just to make sure that I'm not touching surfaces that may have the virus. So that being said, I want to wish all of you the best. Uh, thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fired Up. This is Steve, and we're on WJMSRadio.com. Shout out to them for hosting us each week. And I look forward to seeing you all, or talking to you all, really, in our next show, which will be uh, in seven days. I will talk to you then. Have a good one. Be safe, everybody.
If you hear this message, wherever you stand, I'm calling every woman, calling every man. We're the generation we can't afford to wait. The future started yesterday, and we're already late.